0: Celtic
1: Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. You've got John and Justin here. That's right. We're back. We're just waiting for the draft, sort of. But really, we're waiting for the off season to begin and free agency for this whole drama saga, media frenzy, I'm ready. Let's just see what it's going to look like next year so you and I can start dreaming for whatever that is going to be. Uh, I, I can't imagine we're going to set our expectations for next year all that high, except if they trade for somebody like Davis, then the expectations should be high. And you would expect that Kyrie would resign. But a lot of things coming out this week, John, not necessarily very positive Around Kyrie coming back, you know, kind of how I feel. I saw you mixing it up with uh, Clns founder Nick Gelso on Twitter, and uh, so it's been an engaging, an engaging week of discussion. Let's say it that way.
0: Yeah, it has, and I, everyone is is in the heart of it, in the in the middle of it, and mixed up into it. You know, it, it the whole thing with Kyrie. It's fascinating because there are no answers. It's all speculation. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going on. Everyone knows what happened, but nobody knows why. Nobody knows what caused yeah, and, Kyrie to do this or that or the other, and, and I'm not
1: even sure Kyrie knows what he's doing right now. Nice. I mean,
0: random tweet right today, like oh, Instagram, but yeah, Instagram. Whatever. Right there, you go. Still, you know, world peace. We're gonna have world peace. I mean, look, meta world peace coming out of if, retirement. If only, if only <laughs> it may make more sense than what that what that Instagram post did. It was just nuts, bananas. I don't even get it. You know, and he's mercurial, and he's not like any other superstar we have around right now. And the only thing I can compare it to is, the, the you know, the Dennis Rodman era, just completely bananas. But here we are, <laughs> you know, but he's really good and, at basketball.
1: He's really good at basketball, and you still want him back no matter what. And that's that's been the crux of the conversation, right? A lot of people in Boston are willing to go over and help him pack his bags. It's really interesting. And I I honestly – to, 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 I think one of the reasons that the fan base, and I don't know if you feel this way, John, but I think one of the reasons the fan base who's behind Kyrie gets upset with all that is because they think he's reading and because he's not beloved here, he may just go ahead and leave just because of, of the hate, you know, from the fan base. And I'll just go somewhere where people like me.
0: Yeah. I look, if he comes back shows a great deal of responsibility maturity i think you have to you know appreciate him willing to say no i'm going to dig in and i'm going to make this relationship work with my fans with with the organization with my teammates and that that's what that's what we want i think i think that would be the ideal scenario but that's asking a lot so you know even for those of us who want him to come back and think that last year is an aber- aberration it's asking a lot of a guy to not take the easy way out <laughs> you know and an easy way out I'm saying don't take hundred and ninety million take only hundred and forty million somewhere uh else <laughs> it could be l a could be new york uh that's kind of a crazy way to look at it, but there's so many reasons for him to want to build that back and if he cares about um things that conventional nBA stars do. That may be, that may hold a lot of sway for him, but again, Kyrie's a mercurial guy, so we just don't know what exactly he wants, what he values, what he expects. And even if he told you, you're not even sure that you believe it, or not that you wouldn't believe it, he's lying, but like, what the heck is this guy even saying to me? And that's, that's the difficult part about Kyrie Irving, the leader. You just, I don't know that, that his teammates can jump on board and say, Hey guys, we're going to get it because he's going to go on some sort of 45 minute treatise about, you know, the way that the plastics have taken over the earth and that really, what we really should be using is soybeans and some, some hemp uh, composting. I mean, like, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore, man. I just want to play a basketball game. And yet we just spent 45 minutes. That's where we are with Kyrie Irving, you know, and he's got to understand. I did really appreciate
1: the fact that you You're are there. at least throwing some shade his way, because I feel well, like we spent, well, we spent a lot of the season with you yeah. being really just defending him. So you've, you've clearly softened a little bit over the last few weeks, which I find somewhat surprising. I was full of vitriol and yeah. I'm still just not so sure <laughs> that he's the right, you know, fit for this team as a leader. And I think I, I can't remember where I read it. Um, but the the whole idea was that we can't expect Kyrie to be the leader. He can be the best player. He can be the one who takes the last shot. He can be the guy who wins the game, just like he did uh, when Cleveland won the championship in a major comeback against Golden State, hitting a huge shot. He can be that guy, but he can't be the leader. Now, here's the other thing. We've talked a lot about Kyrie and his contract, but We really have spent almost no time on this show talking about what if Horford had a horrible time last season? Like, we've just taken him for granted that he's happy to be here and and everything else. But uh, he also can't be that leader. And I think there's a reason that Kevin Garnett has just come up over and over for us in a lot of conversations around this team this year. And um I think that it, because he's that inspirational leader, he's that guy that says, this is what it looks like on the floor. And if you can't match my effort, you're garbage. And so um I think that's really, they need it from somewhere. They're not getting that from Horford either. They're not getting it from um, – they're really not getting it from any of their veterans. Morris maybe a little bit. I'd say Marcus Smart is probably the one that, you know, if he were a marquee player, he might really move into that role 100%. But that's really all fallen on Marcus Smart's shoulders for the most part. So I don't know where it comes from, but they need somebody who is at Kyrie's level who has Marcus Smart's vocality in the locker room mm-hmm. so that it's carrying a little bit more weight when Kyrie does go off the map. And I don't think that's Davis either. That's the unfortunate reality of that too.
0: Yeah, you know, you're, well, I mean, we have the whole situation with, um, you know, what, what Brad likes to say with leaders is that everyone's a leader, right? Everyone has, uh, there are no captains, right? that's how Brad likes to lead this franchise. He wants to see everyone has a have has a, a stake in the game and there isn't one guy. And I I think that's true to some degree. I think this year we saw you know that that you need sometimes more than that. You need to be able to say um that's great and all, but <laughs> you need some some singular uh, you know talent, some singular ability, um some singular voice. And that voice can't be talking about Ask Me July 1st. That voice can't be sending mixed messages in the media that rip apart the young guys. That guy can't be doing other things. Now, there are times when you have to call teammates. I mean, Larry Bird, right? Play like a bunch of sissies, right? Play like a bunch of women. Um That,
1: (laughs) that was definitely something that he got away with saying back in the 80s.
0: 1984 (laughs) was a very different time than 2019, you know, but like, why are we, you know, but, but now we're, we're, where this team was, you know, it was a whole bunch of things. And that's why I think you can't distill what happened this season down to one player or how one player you know, journey impacted that, and I think that in that postseason analysis, that's exactly what's happening. I think, and that's probably why you're hearing me uh, have heard me say, you know, defending Kyrie because I feel like so much of this is being thrown on his shoulders, and I don't think that's fair. The team's failures are not Kyrie Irving's responsibility. He he has blame for what he did, but the the team, the overall team, there's a lot of fathers to that one, and. You know, so that's an issue. But we're talking about Kyrie Irving the player. We want Kyrie Irving put the player back. I think Kyrie Irving the player to be a part of this and not See, pull himself away from it. Part of and that's vitriol, what he did over and over this
1: year. Yeah, but part of the vitriol for me was Kyrie Irving the player. Like I I just thought he abandoned the team thing. Every time Jason Tatum didn't hit a shot, all of a sudden Kyrie's gunning again. And I never felt like he fully stuck to that and I and again, you look at somebody like Kevin Garnett, how many times did we get frustrated because he wouldn't go aggressive to the hole or take over the game offensively that was like the one thing because but he was almost unselfish almost unselfish to a fault in the way that he's like i'll do the I'll do the rebounding, I'll do the dirt work I'll do the defending I'll do the block shots and offensively if you, you know I'll do a little bit but you know, he was always about letting other guys get their shots and not being a hog. And I'm not saying that that's what Kyrie Irving's role is on this team. But my point is, is that I think he gave up on it a little bit too easily, many times throughout the season. And I know that the, like the whole basis of the dialogue between you and me is that's what he does. He needs shots. He needs to do that. That's how he gets off. He's, you know, a premier player in the league. And I, and I sort of understand that, but it was also somewhat miserable for me to watch the basketball game. Like, I don't enjoy watching that type of basketball. I enjoyed watching the last couple of years. You know, Horford found a way to do it, right? I think Hayward would be just fine. The problem is, you know, he's still struggling, so hopefully he gets healthy. But I think he would be just fine and still moving the ball and they could be successful. But Kyrie's a little bit of a volume shooter, and sometimes, you know, It it just doesn't get going around. And as soon as another player doesn't step up, you know, it's almost like he's like, oh, if I had Davis here, I wouldn't have to worry about that. Or, you know, if I had what I needed here, I wouldn't have to worry about that. And I'm not sure that that's definitely what's going on. I'm just saying – You know, it's kind of curious. Hold on one second. You can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter, at CSL underscore tweet live. You can follow me, at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network, at CLNS Media. Go to Facebook.com slash CLNS fans or download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search for CLNS Media in your app marketplace and the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash CLNS Media for high definition Full length locker room interviews in season, the garden report, the round table, and yours truly, Celtic stuff live. So before you rebut on that, John, let's just work in because we're doing the Kyrie talk. We're going to have to circle back around to the Davis talk, but Rick Bucher says that Kyrie has really already nailed it, narrowed it down to Brooklyn or the Lakers. And obviously, we heard a lot about New York. The market has a big part of that, but also because Kyrie's from Jersey, there's kind of like this hometown kind of crowd and the love. And then the Lakers thing is about him going back, oddly enough, and playing with the guy he was trying to get away from in Cleveland, the king, LeBron James. And I actually think the Lakers move would be stupid for Kyrie um, because of the fact that LeBron is aging. And I, and you know, I, and they're going to be still in a very tough conference unless Kevin Durant decides to walk away from Golden State and Daryl Morey really does blow up Houston, which isn't really what it sounds like he's trying to do, but it sounds like he's trying to make some sort of a deal to bolster that and make a good run. But I just think it's a tough path coming out of that Western conference. LeBron's not getting younger. He's getting older. Um, I honestly feel like. I, I feel like the Brooklyn thing is scarier than we realize. I, I think that could be the landing place.
0: Yeah. I mean, it. I think it, personally, I think it only works if, you know, the second star comes with him, you know, and I think that that may be the source of some consternation. That could be where and Durant and
1: happens, right? Durant, well,
0: you know, what does, what does Durant want, right? And, and that's, that's where I think we're going to, I could see Durant wanting to go to the Knicks. And I can see Kyrie wanting to go to Brooklyn. And, you know, maybe neither one wants to go there. Or, you know, suppose the Clippers want KD and Kawhi. Now, if they get KD and Kawhi, I don't see any reason why Kyrie goes anywhere. I don't think Kyrie goes anywhere unless KD goes with him. You know, I don't think Kyrie leaves, you know, for, for no reason. You know, I don't think joining LeBron makes any sense. I think we've already, as you said, I think you laid out very correctly why not. Uh, and to go to Brooklyn is interesting because you're home, but what makes you think that that situation is going to be better than the one in Boston? I mean, you could say, well, you know, I don't like to play with young players. Take a look around. I mean, sure, they wouldn't have, uh, Delo, uh, but you know, you got Dinwiddie, you got Clavert, you got Joe Harris. I mean, all these young guys, uh, what makes you think that that's going to work out any different? You know, I, I think that, honestly, the best situation still remains in Boston for him. And I still think he's most likely to come back. I think the, the numbers, the money makes, makes sense. The best team, you know, assuming you can't put together the, the, a three-headed monster of you know, Kyrie and uh, KD and AD in one place. And I don't think that happens in New York. And the only real situation that seems possible is Boston. So I, I, I think Bucher's just throwing stuff up out there. I think, you know, Chris Broussard has another comment every other day. I mean, we're just, we're, we're regurgitating the takes of these guys that clearly are not, don't have anything other to do with their time other than try to get their name out there. And so, uh, you know, maybe there's a, a, a sliver of some of that, but I don't put a whole lot of stock in it, you know, and I think, I, I think Celtics fans should feel like that's what you want. You want Kyrie to come back if you should want Kyrie to come back for no other reason then you can trade him and get some value for him well there's there's that's...
1: something to be said for that right there uh it is exactly that if if you wind up just losing him for nothing now we got him for not a lot either I mean there is that point to be made that was not a very expensive trade uh not really in the long run um you know Jay Crowder um Isaiah Thomas just so unfortunate with you know, where his career has gone since then. Um, but really the pick was the biggest loss. And, you know, for two years of Kyrie, he would do that every six ways till Sunday. That is not a difficult decision. So um let's round out the Kyrie. It's always Kyrie Davis, right? Because that's the big in. Um, then we'll talk about Houston and, and sort of the draft on the tail end of that, which is maybe, uh, you know, all, not all chips going in. I liked what Jeff Clark said on Celtics book Let's not hit middle ground. Go big or you know, go back to the young guys and just keep developing them. And I do very much agree with that attitude. So the going big, there's this other piece, Anthony Davis. He meets with Griffin, um, and Sham says that Davis still wants out. Uh Woe says they're gonna continue talking. Of course they're gonna continue talking. Um, because Davis, if he really does want out, it's gonna continue telling David Griffin I want out <laughs> to force the hand. So it does sound like he wants to make a move, um, that he's really still very much targeting that. I don't know if this is anything else like shocking or earth shattering, but you know, to your point, you think the best scenario for Kyrie is to come back. I, I, because of just who he is as a superstar, he's still going to want to see something, some sort of incentive. And he's going to want to see a really strong play for Davis. And, um, you know, the Davis deal doesn't even have to happen right now. This could definitely carry on into the regular season.
0: Yeah. But I, I think that the options for the Pelicans get fewer and fewer, the longer it goes.
1: Yeah. yeah it's the, bad for, the, for them. It's bad for them. If they don't do it yeah. in July,
0: they got, or, or June really, because if you don't, if you don't have the draft picks attached, then, you know, it, it's not as good either. So not only and, – and you can – obviously you can trade your own draft picks and do that sort of thing. Uh, and ultimately that may be what the Celtics end up doing if they do a deal or, or anybody else who had a lot of picks. But you have more options if you're the Pelicans. You get your guy as opposed to, you know, somebody else's guy that maybe you value, maybe you don't. I mean, as soon as the picks are taken by someone else, they lose value. So, the Celtics picks; those three picks have as much value right now, or up until June 20th, when when you know the 14th pick is taken, then they do it any other time. So that's you know less than well, almost two and a half weeks from from the time we're recording this. There, we're going to have a pretty good sense of whether or not this is going to happen with the AD, and whether or not the Celtics are going to jump. and And, and the thing I'd, I'd go back to again is every time that Steve Pat writes on this this topic, he always. Seems to write with some certainty that the Celtics feel like they have something, some sort of agreement, some sort of line of communication open with the Pelicans. Right? If
1: Griffin can't do it, they've got the crack. Is kind of what the innuendo is there, right?
0: Right. But we we, we can't. Griffin can't convince. If he can't convince him
1: to stay, the Celtics are the dance partner. That seems to
0: be the message. I think so. It seems like hey, yeah. we're we're going to do this deal and that goes before. So that's Mickey Loomis, that's that's high ranking people over there or maybe it comes from Danny. Um but it seems like there is a, a, some certainty and some strong feeling that the Celtics have that they can they can pull something off there. So if that happens, if you do the deal anyway and you know which I know is probably the one that scares Celtics fans the most, doing the deal and not having any assurance that Kyrie comes back. Uh, no, Seth, that I, may I'm be the most likely that. scenario. My, my bigger issue is not
1: having any assurance that Davis comes back. Even if, even if Kyrie doesn't, I still think this team with Davis is pretty strong. And, and so, yeah, I get the whole point of wanting to have uh, Kyrie with Davis. It's stronger in terms of upper level talent, but uh, but to your but to your point i 'm more scared about giving up assets because that 's what we just talked about. Anybody would do that trade for Kyrie it, it doesn't undo the work that they 've laid down over the last several years if Kyrie walks Does it make them a worse team and do they get nothing for that asset if he doesn't come back? Yeah, absolutely, but does that undo what you know the Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett trade does that undo all of that work no, it doesn't. But trading those assets that that trade gave you for Davis and not signing Davis, that's the killer to me. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Well, it, uh, it,
0: it also goes to what the package is, right? So if you don't lose Jalen or you don't lose the Memphis pick or you, you know, somehow are able to keep smart you're still, in the deal, you're still there putting... are ways in which you're losing the Memphis pick, which has nothing to do with the, the you know, if you lose Memphis deal, and you lose Tatum. It's a shot. It's, you know, it's a, it's a punch to the gut, but you end up, you still have key pieces returning. You know, it's a question of how much you have to give up. If you have to give up the farm for Davis that's my and you point. have no assurance, that's a problem. But it's, you know, my belief is that you're not going to have to give up David. You're not going to have to give up Brown. Well, you, you know what? We Brown. just,
1: we're going to wait. We have to wait and see. We do, that's, but, but that's but where you, we're at.
0: But the one thing I'd say is you, you're, you're concerned about it, but I think I think we have to. Well, oh, we just I, don't know. I know what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, if we can get Davis for basically almost as cheap as we got Kyrie, of course, no complaints here. Well, I, I hope just, that's I, gonna just happen. I know it's not going to be that. You're going to lose Tatum.
0: Probably. I get it.
1: I get it. I get it. But my point is, if it's that easy of a deal for the for the Celtics because they've only got one year and no guarantee from Davis, that probably doesn't sting quite as bad. But I don't think it's going to be that easy. I really don't. And I think. I know we've got this relationship, you know, with the organization, you know, obviously connected to to David Griffin and they helped facilitate LeBron being able to come back, you know, with what was seemingly a minor trade for the Celtics, but it helped them get the cap space for Cleveland that they needed to be able to do that. There's a lot of connection there, which is great, but I still don't think it's going to come easy, but mm-hmm. you and I can talk about it. We could bet on it. Celtics stuff live is powered by BetOnline.ag. It's the NBA and Stanley cup finals folks. Support our podcast by making a wager on your pick by going to www.clnsmedia.com slash CSL. That CSL stands for Celtics Stuff Live. www.clnsmedia.com slash CSL. You're going to use promo code CLNS50, and it's going to get you 50% cash back on your first deposit after you open up your account. So definitely support us. Go, uh, Go wager on the Toronto Raptors, for goodness sakes. What, Game 1? Guess what? I'm still very much in the Golden State. Takes this one and six, just like we talked about last week, John. And the major reason is, I know Kevin Durant's not back yet, but look at the last two series in the Eastern Conference. The team that won Game 1 is not the team that won the series. And so I'm not putting any stock into a Game 1 victory. And I know we're recording this in the middle of Game 2, But I'm not giving it to Toronto. I gotta see more.
0: I, I'm, I'm definitely wavering, I will say, but because I don't know what, how healthy Durant really is. So, you know, I, I'm still going to stick on, on the Warriors in six, but I'm, I'm beginning to think that, that Raptors in seven has, has more possibilities than I realized. So we're recording this during game two, by the way. So we don't know. You know, yeah. <laughs> Toronto was up
1: two zero after this game. Now I'm gonna have to change my tune, but yep. but I don't I don't think so. Toronto played a hell of a game one, but again, I, I think I think game one all of a sudden doesn't have the same value that you would expect it. Why would to. you say that, Justin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, oh. we definitely know from personal experience, and and oh. so so do the Milwaukee Bucks now too. So. There you go. All right, so we just spent the first half of the show, and really there's only two sides to this conversation until we get to the draft, but we spent the first half of the show talking about what if they go big, so now let's spend the second half of the show talking about a full reboot. Kyrie walks away, et cetera, et cetera. We can start this, and I guess this is kind of a waffling one, but uh, Sean uh Devaney, says that the Celtics are looking to package all of their picks for another pick next year, um, or at maybe not all, but 14 and 20 anyway. So they obviously want to, you know, punt on this year, get another pick. I think part of the reason for that, it could be so that they can see how this off season plays out. And so if they are in that rebuilding mode, it's a better draft next year for them. Maybe they can get something that's more likely to be a better odds lottery pick next season, and then they have the Memphis pick. There is part of this, though, that could be entwined with the first half of the show where, you know, whoever they're – well, not whoever. Maybe that David Griffin Whatever. wants two – he may want two <laughs> picks in the lottery next year, and if the Celtics can package this year's pick to get a more attractive pick and a more attractive draft, that that would, you know, present represent a stronger sort of case. But – let's let's just take this angle from the the picks are, are picks that the Celtics are planning on making it's not a surprise that they would want to to move a couple of picks this year with really they just don't know what's going to happen with the roster and the draft is weaker uh, it makes sense we've been talking about how we doubt they're going to make all of these picks all three of them and that they would at least try to punt one to next year anyway
0: yeah I, it, it. And that's good reporting and great stuff by by Sean um, on, uh, on 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 Celtics beat today. Uh, great, really interesting chat there uh, with him and Adam. Um, yeah, I, you know it, it is. It's the the reboot angle is is really interesting. Uh, you know, we got a, a text, a DM from uh, Vinny. Um, who's still studios. Vinny. Uh, Vinny, who's, who's all over the place. And, and, and Vinny left with, uh, to Vinny's credit, he's got a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, you know, that he, that he shares and, and you know, he wants Irving back, doesn't want to do the Davis deal, which kind of talked about what you're saying. Um, but, uh, which, but, but also what I'm saying. <laughs> so Vinny's kind of right between both of yeah, us. I mean, but-
1: He's on your side with Kyrie and he's on my side with Davis.
0: Right. And, and so he asked about, about what happens if, if Bane's opt out, you know, like, you know, with no Irving, no Horford means 26 million in space for Boston. You know how Bane's opting out affects us. Well, obviously it's, it's a little bit more that we, we have left to spend, I guess. Uh, that's the, you know, that's kind of the first, the first domino to talk about is that, you know, that, that if, if they don't have those salaries, uh, there's, there's some serious money available and really the only major, um, Salary you have on the books is, is Gordon Hayward's 32.7 million. Now, how he does next year really, in, you know place a, a big big impact as to whether or not he opts in for the following year. Uh, 34, but if not, if he's looking to get out there and the Celtics aren't doing well and he wants to go elsewhere, then, you know, you're going to be at a point where they have $13 million guaranteed the following year. Now that's assuming there aren't any extensions for guys like Rosier and, and Jalen Brown, but you know, you could, there's, there's, to his point, uh, there's a situation where they could have some, 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 some cap space this summer, you know, but that takes Al Horford saying, I don't want to be here. And Bane saying, "I don't want to be here," uh, and doing so before a lot of the machinations regarding Anthony Plus, Davis Baines and, and kind of Kyrie. Said,
1: he, he likes it here. I exactly. Mean, he definitely Which also was on
0: public speed last week. That's so. right. So there you go. <laughs> so I, all I don't you need think do Bane. Just listen to the C L N S, and that's all you need to know.
1: Amen, <laughs> amen. I don't think Bane's going anywhere. I think I he's think going so back. I think he's a good fit, no matter what they do. Yeah. Um, you know, great locker room presence, great, you know, we've talked about Kendrick Perkins being that locker room presence that would be great to join the coaching staff and really bring, bring that really it's a lot of that camaraderie and that leadership that we were talking about. And that was obviously last week's show, but I feel like Baines has that similar kind of, kind of thing. You know, he's a kind of a glue guy in the background, but not necessarily the type of leader you know, that we would need, like we were talking about in the first half of the show, like somebody on Kyrie's level, but he's another one of those glue guys. And they're going to need a lot of them to to yeah. reclaim the culture of this team
0: next season. They need guys that are willing to accept a role. Like, that's what they had a, a severe lack of last year. They had, just did not have guys who were willing to accept a role that they were finding themselves in. You know, whether it's, you know, you, you can say Gordon Hayward didn't do that, but that was – that's a weird thing. <laughs> so I'm going to put him aside. But, you know, obviously. We can say Pat didn't
1: accept the role that he should have given Hayward then. Yeah, maybe. I mean, whatever angle you want to throw I, on that. At I, least for the, yeah.
0: That's probably the biggest criticism I think you can have is that perhaps that that's what started a domino effect with the young guys. And, but that's, you know, that's whatever that is. But, um yeah, Baines, I think you're right. I think Baines opts in. So that's five, that's four and a half million or whatever that you're going to You lose. I, I, to me, I'm going into the summer. If if they lose those guys, right? They they don't get Kyrie. Um, They're not going
1: to make a big splash with a free agent on a high salary if they don't have anything.
0: I don't. I agree. I don't think they will. I don't think. I think you try to use. You're better off off making a trade. You're you're better off trying to.
1: You would not do this, okay? But my point is, is you're better off in that case. Trying to go and it doesn't even work mathematically. I don't think, but you, you're better off trying to go get somebody like Chris Paul out of Houston. Oh. And and again, I'm not saying I want that. I'm just saying rather you're more likely to take a player like that off somebody's hands because of the finances of it with that cap space. Than you are landing Kevin Durant, who exits on a on on his one one deal, right? That's that's really the reality of it for me. I don't know what you entice them with. Um Now, if I think you, you're just
0: willing to take it, if you could get filing salary match, I think Houston would give him up. To be right. honest,
1: yeah, no, I do. I don't too. think it would
0: take much to get Chris Paul at this point. But I but to that point, I don't think I want Chris Paul.
1: I don't either, but I'm you saying know? that's what's on the table with that cap space is those kinds of deals. Guys a little bit later in their career, you know, Pass. absorbing a slightly... Exactly. So I think you just save the money and use it to pay, you know, max sal- salaries on some of these guys that, you know, are developing. You know, at that point, that money goes to Jason uh, Tatum. It goes to Jalen Brown in the future. I know they could still use it, but maybe they get some of these mid-tier guys that are, you know, like, I don't mean a Jared Dudley, but I mean... You know somebody who's kind of a veteran who like you said, can accept their role and lift up the team and you just spend that money on little bits and pieces on short term commitments while you let the major players that are gonna be you know the Marcus smarts locked up, but you know Tatum and Brown, et cetera. That are going to be your pieces for the future, and you're going to make sure you keep enough salary to be able to handle them when the time comes.
0: I I would say that there is there is value in in striking this summer. If you do, I mean, to me, the Al Horford thing. Let's assume Kyrie's gone. Let's assume you don't do Davis, right? So that's what this conversation starts with. Um, Al Horford. If Al Horford opts in and Kyrie leaves. I think you immediately look at: Do you want to keep him here, or do you want to move him? So, if he opts in, obviously you're out of the salary, you're out of the free agency market. And I think that's when the Houston stuff comes in. About is there a fit there for Capella? If you can make a Capella for Horford swap, you know, and then have a younger core built. And the around Celtics Capellas have and talked. The
1: and the Celtics did apparently reach out. So right. it's not like this is. This could be contingency planning. It could be something nothing related to Capella at all. But you do get a little bit younger. You get that center position manned. And uh, Horford goes and gets set up to try to win a championship, which that's the only scenario where he's going to leave Boston or accept leaving Boston.
0: Totally, totally. And I think that 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 then puts them in a spot where, you know, if they're going to – um, go out there, and they're going to try to get something to fill that spot. I really believe that the front court is where they need to put some effort in this summer. Um, you could say it's Anthony Davis, but they need help there. That you know, you're going to lose Morris likely, possibly. Um, Horford needs. We need more flexibility in that in that front court. We need rebounding. And and whether that is at the expense of one of the core players you have elsewhere or what have you, you need rebounding, you need defense, so that way it allows everybody else to do their piece and their part. Um, so you know, would you move for Capella? That's an interesting thought. Or you you know if you know if you resign, you keep Horford. You know, does that give you a spot? You know, a little bit less money where you can go out and sign somebody. So. You know, and there've been a couple, Tom Westerholm and, and, uh, John Corrales went out and they, and they went through a situation where they, they, you know, what do you do in case that happens? And they went out and they signed free agents. Uh, uh, Westerholm went out and, and he, he kept, uh, 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 Horford, but, but then, uh, you know, went out and got, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, so, you know, or, or Julius Randle. So those are a couple guys that have, um, actually I should say Tom got rid of, uh, Horford. Corrales kept Horford. So that's why there was, there was that salary space, but it's kind of an interesting thought. If you get rid of them, you know, before you resign those guys, like you're talking about, Justin, this might be the last time when you could add someone to the core before those, those salaries kick in and then you're back over the tax over the cap. So you almost have to take advantage of it. Or, or you could use it perhaps as accepting money, you know, in trade. You know, accept a guy off a of trade. That's that's another option, I suppose. But you know, or
1: facilitate a trade. You or know, facilitate know, like, a trade. Yeah. Yep. There is always that too, and get more assets for the future. Mm-hmm. Facilitate a trade. Maybe you get that first round pick, and you're still making a play for you know different players as they come up, just like with Davis. Yeah. And you're still kind of in that game. And you know, the more picks they make, the better. Uh, as far as talent, or the more picks they collect. It's amazing how we get these picks on a string. I think that's really probably the most impressive thing that Danny does is he somehow just keeps extending ways to stay in the lottery, right? That Memphis pick, is that that one really wound up well for them. Of all the things that went wrong this season, that
0: one went really, really well. All right. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say one interesting name to look at. And I don't know that he would come here to, to to be part of a rebuilding situation. Um, but I don't see any way in which the <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks can resign Brook Lopez. And in a scenario where you let everybody go and Horford, you know, opts out or or you know well, opts out basically, it's the only way you can get out. Brooke Lopez is a guy whom would you could sign for more than what he would possibly could make in Milwaukee and it would fit into Boston's situation. I'm not so excited yeah, he about from that.
1: from outside. He spaces the floor a little bit, but he's got kind some length. Things. Rebounding has been a major issue for this team. We could definitely use that for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in this week, and remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtics Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show for staff writer Samuel Elias. Executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media Nick Gelso and for my co host John Duke. I'm Justin Poole and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
0: Celtic Stuff Live.
1: All right. You got anything for the outtakes? I thought man, the, the Brook Lopez thing might have worked out,
0: but I, I, yeah, I don't know about. I, I mean, that was just kind of. I, I I think he's going to want to go to a contender, but who knows? Who knows? Th- this is such silly season, man. Like I'm telling you, like, and it's getting pretty fierce on the whole. I, I, you know, uh, on the Twitter, it's getting yeah, you getting and Nick, nutty. yeah, Nick's fired up. Nick is fired up. Nick was, Nick was at the fours and there was, all of a sudden there was a, you know, screw Kyrie chant or something at the fours last night. You know, I I don't know. That's the tweet I
1: saw. That's the tweet I saw that they were basically chanting because I think they were watching the Bruins game
0: and they were chanting
1: for a goal and somehow the Bruins limelight got totally twisted around uh, you know, Blank Kyrie. So that is that is really odd. I don't get it. Like You know, maybe Kyrie is a good fit for New England. <laughs> All the maybe, negativity in this town. Maybe he fits in perfectly. <laughs> I mean, come on. Think about how that looks to
0: the rest of the country. I'm telling you. It's just I don't get it. I just I don't I don't understand it. I've just seen this, this movie over and over and over again when we go after these guys. It's just, I'm, um, I'm, um, I'm so, I'm so just flabbergasted by the whole thing. Um, you kicked it
1: off with a picture of, of Kyrie and the Uncle Drew film, right?
0: And said, no, why can't
1: he be happy? Like, how, no, not how me. How did it all get kicked no, I, off? I
0: wouldn't do that. No, Nick put that up. Oh, Nick started it with the Uncle Drew. Okay, okay. He said, "Why can't he be happy like he, you know, in Boston or something like that? Why can't he be happy, you know, here like he is, like he is as Uncle Drew?" And and then I said, "Or." In other words, or he is happy, he just hates answering media questions and hates, you know, the whole artifice that we create. He definitely does.
1: He, I mean, that is a definite. I don't think you're putting any words in Kyrie's mouth that he's already basically said as much. So, yeah, he hates it. It's not, you know, and Boston is a media jungle, right? This is the place... So in that respect, maybe he's not a great match for the region. And we've seen it, players in other sports, et cetera, really struggle to adjust to sort of this high-profile market that eats its young when it comes to star players and trying to hold them to really high expect. But then you have these, but then it's almost like a fraternity. It's almost like a rite of passage. And if the player, like Kevin Garnett, which is why we always go back to him, he just embraced it. He embraced it with all of his soul. And with that, he passed the test. And it's almost like, yeah, if you're really, you know, who you say you are or who we want you to be, then you'll be able to handle this just fine because, you know, you'll just go above it. And I, I don't, I don't think I want to add something. Two different generations we just described there. I don't think the Kyrie generation. Is at all into, you know, that whole fraternity hazing, et cetera. And I don't think it's jiving, you know, well, I'll just call them the millennial, right? So I don't, I don't think that that, you and I grew up with that, right? That's, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't mean fraternities. We didn't grow up with fraternities, but I just mean, you know, this new England, like everybody, we're all grinding, you know, it's cold, man, it's cold in the winter. And we saw, if we survive that, you know, you gotta be tough. You gotta be a tough guy. Right. And I just don't think that this, you know, this millennial generation is into that. I don't think it's their style. And I think that might be some of where the clash is happening with Kyrie.
0: Yeah. I, no, I, th- I think that there's some of that. I think he's a, he's an iconoclast. I think he, he just does not like, Throws it all away, you know, and he, he, I, I think it just makes it really difficult to, to gauge who he is and what his, what his, what he wants. And that's, you know, there are definite downsides to what he's doing that, that carry out for the whole team. And those have to be dealt with, but, is he a bad guy? Is he? Like, I don't know. I'm kind of done talking about Kyrie though. I know, but it's the question. It's oh, the whole, it, the whole NBA center, uh, the whole NBA summer <laughs> rests around that guy's decision making. Oh my the God. The guy who said today, you know, give, you know, we're going to make, you know, we're going to make world peace happen or something, whatever it was. Yeah.
1: The guy who was drafted <laughs> immediately after the decision, right? Or Man. right. Yeah. Right. Right, it is now having the decision. Yeah, pretty much. I guess it'll depend on what Durant does, but I don't know, man. I just I just, wa- I just I just want to get to July. I just I just want to know what we're working with.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Like I want this over with because I want to be able to like put figure out okay, where are we going? You yeah, remember those years when like we had shows and you were like Well, you know, I just want an answer. (laughs) Pick a direction. Who am I going to root for? You know, what's going on here? And this has been the worst of that. You know, it's just been bloody Uh, and gory and
1: unprecedented,
0: unfun. Yeah.
1: And let me just say it this way. If you're still following the Celtics (laughs) this, this late in the season, we're sorry. But if you're still listening to this show, you're welcome. You're welcome.